Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What's up, everyone? Cannabis Congregation, thanks for joining us for Sunday's episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Today, we're joined by Chris Cody out of Washington. He's a longtime cannabis entrepreneur and activist. We're going to chat with him about his experience in Washington as a cannabis entrepreneur. So let's just get right into it. Hey, Mickey, Tom, and Chris Cody. How y'all doing? Good. Thanks for joining us, Cody. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I met Cody uh, last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, we connected then and he has uh, lots of knowledge in the industry. So how long have you been involved in the legal cannabis industry? Well, uh, 2011, I opened up my medical shop. Uh, so nine years, although like I'd been kind of involved with it a little bit before that. So 10 years is what I say. Sweet. So like when you opened up your medical shop, how were the rules back then? Did you have to be on both sides of the aisle? Did you have to be in retail and in production? Oh, yeah. Well, it was basically whatever, anything goes, you know, they, they, everybody who was opening shops back then was opening under like a very uh, strict interpretation of the law, which uh, I think when I originally did it, they were doing the, uh, um, the provider model, you know, Not and, the provider model, you see, because a lot of our audiences in Illinois and then in other states where they're still just catching up to medical. So mm-hmm. the, the provider model has kind of gone by the wayside. Explain that a little bit. Well, so, uh, you know, it's the same in California where like, you know, so you had a you had a medical cannabis patient and, you know, they needed to uh, secure their product, you know, but th- maybe they're not growing or they're sick or they've never done it before. They don't know how. And so like they would go find somebody who knew how to grow or would you know be able to otherwise provide the uh, their medicine and they'd give you your their uh, their paperwork. And then that paperwork allowed you to carry cannabis for them, you know, so you would be able to provide it directly. And then, uh, so that was the original rules. So I had opened, uh, you know, did our incorporation in January of 11. And then like we were open by May 4. Um, and in that time there was a legislative process that went on. So like, uh, the state had actually put together a whole big package of, uh, oversight and regulation that, uh, had passed both the, uh, you know, uh, both chambers uh, of your legislature. Both chambers, yeah. correct. And then the governor went and vetoed, uh, did uh, sectional vetoes of all the stuff that would have given a structure to the law. So wow. basically, like, so like, year, like, so this, because you're describing certainly, and this is also because we'd explain like the evolution of the laws as well on the show. And so there's variations of the medical marijuana and also legalization. It almost sounds like a grow and give model that you see like in Vermont and in DC where it's fairly legal, but there is no commerce in it. So it doesn't really see like, you didn't mention dispensary. You didn't mention like, you know, we had to, we packaging requirements for the eighths and all that and all that stuff. It just was more along the lines of you have a caretaker, that caretaker is allowed to, you know, cultivate and cure and then distribute the medicine to the, uh, the patient. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and then they started getting regulations in uh, 12 or 11. And then what happened with those regulations in the Washington market? Well, it wasn't even, what was it? It was, uh, we didn't get regulations until, uh, until the law actually passed. Right. So until, yeah. So 2011, end of the end of the year, uh, 502 passed uh, through the legislation. Um, but in between there, it was this like weird, like super gray area where, mm-hmm. you know, like, so those original rules went by the wayside and then we were operating under this, like this one little, 
section that was the collective garden model, right? That uh, allowed you have up to 10 patients at one time. And then that was how you could still run a, a brick and mortar dispensary because then, you know, you can only have 10 people in at once and then you had to check them out. It was this whole rigmarole, you know? Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, once we started getting regulations, I mean, then it still didn't affect the medical shops because they weren't included in legalization. They were, uh, they, they were kind of tacitly like, you know, were they making sales? Did they have like dispensaries? Oh, yeah. and they'd be like, oh, yeah. wow. Well, Kyoto well, Medical was 5052, SB 5052. Uh, they gone for all the regulation around the ambiguous words with medical. They're like, no, we addressed the medical concerns. Uh, but instead, they really killed medical at the end. Isn't that what made you pull, Chuck? Or pull pull out the business? Because you, you pulled out what it became kind of like in the white center area where you were at the first one. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving out of there, that uh, well, that was also a product of regulation because my existing location didn't uh, meet the uh, buffers, so I was too oh. close to the Catholic school there. So we had to move anyway, and uh, it was a very competitive re- re- uh, real estate market back then. Being able to find stuff that did uh, conform to the rules, and like Lord knows, I spent most of my time just like pouring over maps and like buffers and all this stuff, um, trying to find something that did work. And we ended up down there more or less because it was what I could find. Um, it was actually that or that initial spot that I'd secured on fourth Avenue that was still available. Right. Mm. Um, but like, the, cause I always, Tom, I always try to tell Tom about how like in the early days of Washington and our medical scene, and even in California, kind of like how the medical market gives everybody uh, a potential to, to, to create that nest egg, right? Like would you credit the, your ability to just grow a couple plants and then sell it through that medical model to help you develop that collateral that you eventually, cause now you're doing other stuff. You're doing construction, you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're into like the, the legit shit, but still, you know, being a cannabis grower, you know? Well, you know, like, so we did some growing, you know, but a lot of it was really just working with growers that I knew and uh, people I'd known for years and years long before I opened a shop and uh, just kind of making that work. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, Sounds like the, uh, when you talk about uh, equity or whatever, you know, my real, my real uh, triumph with all of the legalization was actually uh knowing how to fill out government paperwork <laughs> and, right. and filing taxes and things like that. You know, I remember when I had first opened my store, my lawyer, I asked him, I said, so do, what do I do? Pay the sales tax? You know, like, he's like, well, kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't, you know, and I was like, well, all right, I guess I'll be right with God and the government and pay, you know, and that was eventually, you know, when they laid out 50, 52, that was one of the requirements that they had to be able to do that. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's hilarious that you didn't have requirements regarding payment of taxes until you had full adult use legal, uh, legalization. You know, that's that's just so bizarre from our rubric over in Illinois where it's like, you know, it's very military. It's like, no, no, the, the medical will basically be adult use, but it'll be extremely restrictive. And then we'll wait for some producers to be able to go. And then after five years, we'll change the law. We'll grandfather the men. Then we'll open it up for everybody. Um it's just so strange to hear like the origin story of cannabis legalization for the medical perspective where there really wasn't any particular industry. And then they brought industry in and they just killed everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Well, so one of the big things that we did was we uh, formed a a trade organization because remember I told you, so that law got sectionally vetoed. Right. And so then the city came to some of us uh, and asked us to do some self-regulation, you know, because there wasn't any, they didn't have anything. Um, that they could work with. And so, uh, you know, me and about, I don't know, a dozen other uh, shop owners, growers got together and we formed the Can- uh, Coalition for Cannabis Standards and Ethics. We did that. It's kind of a self- self-regulatory uh, thing. You know, we put together, yeah, some rules, you know, uh, in terms of... You know, as the pharmaceutical industry can regulate itself, I don't yeah, see why the cannabis industry can't regulate itself. You well, know? That killed the cannabis industry in Washington, right? Because I remember... Um, People coming. I don't know if you guys know. So uh, I have this issue with activists and uh, influencers, right? Uh, kind of sometimes in the same thing. And then at times it's way two different things because you do need an influencer thing to put out products. But there was a, a YouTuber, Custom Grow 420. I don't know if you remember, Cody, this guy. He took the camera down to the markets and uh, he's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're out here having fun. And then he took that same video during the uh, hearings for SB 52 and said, look, 
this isn't medical. These guys are having a good time. It was just a total uh, perspective on what should be medical, what shouldn't be. But let alone, uh, you know, it is medicine at the, for the most part. You know, there was a, a good community at the time. Uh, not so much now, though, huh, man? Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's a lot of true believers in the medical field. But, of course, like, you know, they didn't do marketing, right? So you didn't see their side of stuff for the most part. What you saw was, like, the the medical that was really essentially recreational. You know, the guys doing the foot-long dabs and all that stuff. And like, just, like, people, you know, the the farmer's markets, you know, which were pretty interesting. Um, oh, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, but that's, that's ridiculous that you guys threw – legislative lack of oversight and lack of leadership at the at your executive at the state level allowed this uh, municipalities to kind of go their own way and that created a power vacuum that resulted in worse policy and then you have 502 come in and essentially upend all that stuff because for the ones that do say it's medical well they can grow their own or, or still access the systems that may or may not be in place i mean that would then raise the question of okay how many of these uh, traditional home grow not home growers, the, the, the medical growers that were licensed are still standing. Very much. Well, so none of them were licensed, right? Like oh. in, the, in the, in the medical field, like in the medical times in Washington, there were no licenses, right? All there was was this like weird, you know, like, Hey, if you've got paperwork that says there's a patient that needs grass, like you can grow it for them or you can sell it to them, you know, or, you know, people used to do the donations, you know, for yeah. The grow and give. Yeah. And um, then they like, my paperwork's in order. Well, I'm here from the state police. We don't care. Did that ever come up? Because, you know, there were raids back in the day. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I had a shop that was a half block away from me in White Center raided. Uh, but you're DEA. like, Dan, that's why I paid my taxes. Yeah, you know? Well, it wasn't even that, right? It had nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. He ran it, didn't pay his federal taxes and bought like a, a Mercedes for cash. And uh, that just, you know, tripped off the IRS and then they looked into him and they're like, Oh, you haven't paid taxes in five years. And like, Oh, doing all this well, other stuff. Well, we better, yeah. we better look into it. And he had four locations and they were just making bank dude. So, so what have you learned then? What's uh, if you can encapsulate your, your 10 years of knowledge, uh, navigating the industry, uh, at least on the West coast, what's, uh, what's some of the most valuable lessons you learned? Oh man, there's a lot of them. I'll tell you that. I mean, uh, you know, for me, it's been a, an exercise in learning just the corporate law, you know, hmm. figuring corporate out. Corporate law is huge. Yeah. Especially, I mean, when you started it with the grow and give model and like the patient caregiver model, you don't need to worry about a capital raise and what the heck mezzanine financing is. No. But when you start to do a vertically integrated, like truly, if this was a, a title out of uh, a headline out of this week, where truly, if I guess is 50% of the cannabis sales in Florida, one company is 50% of the cannabis market in Florida, that's capital raising like on steroids. And so you're going to see a lot of corporate governance then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they start adding all these layers and then you get, then you end up with companies run by guys who have nothing to do with the industry. You know, like you look at high times, right? They've gone through like these three CEOs from like totally different industries, you know, like not even really market, you know, or like events. It's like, what does high times do? It's like they do events and they do like their publication, you know, but then they just hire these corporate guys who have CEO experience. They come in and like load it up with debt, take the money, declare bankruptcy, <laughs> buy out the debt. Yeah. <laughs> we, as we like to call it in Donald Trump's America business. <laughs> Yeah, right. Cody, when you started then in, in, in the, the Weiss, because that was your first store, right? Yeah. Uh, so did you just, like, I'm going to rent a space, and then uh, you get a local business, the city license, and that was it? That was your start? That was it. That and was then it. no security? Like, no, man. <laughs> no seed to sale? No, nothing. Nothing. It was, uh, all it was is uh, my wife's friend got a job at uh, some shop, uh, Actually, uh, it's clear choice. I think uh, Dawn's place, Miggy. Oh, if you remember, know yeah. No, yeah. No. So Ada got a job there, and then uh, she called up my wife and was like, "Hey, you want to work there?" And then when my wife told me, I was like, "Oh my god, if she could do it, then I." Can. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, and that's what I'm saying. The 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 threshold, the 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 it was low overhead for like most people who could. Just oh man, yeah. I mean, we opened that. I opened that place for twenty grand. 
you know? Oh man. I like, I, when I'm making my advice to the guys for dispensaries, I'm like, all right, well, let's start at a half a million, but you should really budget for a million. Well, you're in Illinois, man. It's like, it's as bad as California. You know, you, you, you can't just have like, you can't just have a few bucks, you know, you gotta be able to get up, you gotta have connections. It's like, it's so There's so much money and capital just in California, in Chicago really right and then like that was something that came out just yesterday i didn't even think i was going to have to do this and then yesterday i had to do like this whole page about tight applications because last week the state of illinois actually created a whole new article to their um their law that legalized it and so they have this whole new article about what happens when there's ties so like you know i'll talk about all these lawsuits that happen in competitive states where they 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 compete for these licenses to quote unquote win them and then there's all these lawsuits. And so instead, it looks like what they're doing is they're setting it up. So they're going to compete and there's going to be all these ties. And then after there's ties, it's random. Wow. Yeah. So then like, how can you sue them? It's like, well, you tied. Oh, you almost won that. You, you did the best you could. You had the greatest application, but you rolled a six instead of a three. Yeah. Yeah. You, you made the You made the biggest, uh, the biggest sin in America. You were unlucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's Better be I lucky like. than good. That should be one of the mandatory <laughs> provisions in it. Yeah. But see, I think that's why you have Tom has issues understanding like the West Coast markets as far as like the infrastructure. Because over in Chicago, Illinois, I, I think it's very impressive that they created the medical market. You know, there, there was this infrastructure of, okay, we're going to establish you as a medical person. Because in Washington, there was like over a thousand dispensaries. Uh, the unlawfulness is what uh, hurt them, you know. And then when uh, SB 52 came about, it was because the guys who were already in the rec market were saying, well, they don't pay taxes. That's unfair. And exactly. so now we're here. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, like, and I mean, it was inevitable, you know, yeah. I mean, as soon as the state got, you know, as soon as the state got its hooks in it, it was just all over, you know? And I mean, like, that's, it's funny, but it's really like the government that ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like they, they came in and they like, they want to regulate it, make it safer. But all they really did was push out all the small guys and make it so that you had to have half a million dollars to start. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe that's for the best. Cause like, you know, a lot of those other guys are pretty hard, man. Pretty rough. You know, there's all sorts of skimming. And like, I mean, I think the, the real well, thing is organized crime, man. I mean, well, that's, that's it. Yeah, trying, side. Yeah. yeah. The outlaw side they're trying to get rid of and just get rid of the outlaw side. You really got to get rid of the cash. But you really can't get rid of the product. I mean, like, they're still going to, it's going to be like, you know, dealing in gold to a certain, well, or liquor. I mean, how often, actually, it's a lot easier to walk off with a lot more in weed per, like, you know, dollar amount than it is in liquor. You know, yeah. a couple of pounds of weed's worth thousands of dollars. A couple of pounds of liquor could be like 240s, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And cash only, though, forget. You know, and cash that. only, but the uh, Safe Banking Act, 50-50 chance of passing. I mean, that was yeah. what uh, Marijuana Moments reporting. So the whispers on uh, Capitol Hill is, uh, you know, now we're all going outside again, and we're going to go get ourselves Corona 2. This time, you know, it's the summer version. <laughs> and so if that happens, and then we still have a cataclysmic recession that happens, the House has already passed it as with their part of the stimulus bill, the next round. So now if the Senate passes their round of the stimulus bill, you know, safe banking act yeah well we'll see i mean they, this is the fifth time i've seen this come through so like oh yeah it, it's yeah. i mean it's probably better like more likely now because you know essentially they'll you know any allies we have in the you know or any people who are interested in making legal cannabis more accessible and safe um from those states they're going to want to you know, they're going to want to get that in. They're going to put it in as a writer or whatever. They're going to attach it to the mm-hmm. must pass bill. That's going to be the Corona relief. I mean, or like that's what they did with the uh, hemp bill uh, back in 18. So like yeah. eventually it was, I'm going to shut down the government. I'm Donald Trump uh, farm bill, omnibus farm bill, spending package. Ding, and all of a sudden hemp is no longer marijuana. Uh, yeah. And so I could see that, but then I could see that just being like, okay, now all the banks are okay. Everybody rushes in, and then it just freezes at the federal level for like five years. Like no new changes, like funds, like just too much, or just uh, no, process? just uh, because because the states have traditionally held the police power to arrest people, and so like if it's now going to be taken out of this Controlled Substances Act, it means that then there's going to be these defenses, like hey, 
you're not allowed to arrest me anymore. You know, it's this is federally legal. So I think that could create a an issue. And then that issue would be rectified, of course, by more states legalizing it. But Illinois, I think, was just number 10 or 11, like the first one legislatively. So you have a lot more states that need to not just decriminalize, but like, you know, make sure that you're not really arrested for it, legalize it, at least like they did in Illinois and uh, Washington state where there's possession limits, but it's legal, you know? What's crazy here is uh, uh, before the uh, state legalized it, you know, there was not so much state uh, interference. I mean, there was some, but not so much more federal. And Chris, did you, when you were medical during medical days, did you have to deal with state uh, authorities fucking with you or was it always federal? Uh, well, I didn't have to deal with, Luckily enough, you know, uh, yeah. ran a shop. I didn't have to deal with any of them. Um, mm. You know, what I had to do was, uh, you know, I did a lot of politicking, right? So yeah. I kind of started off uh, with my local, you know. Uh, so I was building out the shop, and this uh, this gal from the neighborhood blog walked in the back door while I was talking to the security guys. She's like, "Hey, you should come to this thing." And so I went to a it was the community development association, and I basically had to explain myself in front of a bunch of people. Mm. It was like the first first entry to it. And then like, yeah, I had to do a lot of uh, just, you know, lobbying and I get to know like, you know, all the players, man. So, yeah. you know, I was white center. That is uh, the jurisdiction is King County. So I had to get to know the King County sheriffs. And then like, you know, Dan Satterberg is the uh, uh, prosecutor here, county mm -hmm. prosecutor. And uh, also like Dow Constantine. And then like the, I think, who was it, Jim? Oh, hell, I can't remember his name, but the local council guy, you know, sure. for King County. I know a lot so, of people. Okay, man. Just, just, knowing, just knowing the sheriffs, you know, it's like, uh, you know, one day we had our burglar alarm tripped accidentally while we were open, and uh, the sheriffs came kicking in the door, but it's like I knew the guy because he was on the beat. The guy, BJ, probably best peace officer I ever met in my life, and, you know, he just came in to make sure we were getting robbed. And right it was really cool. No big deal, you know. It's really cool. Yeah, it was super cool, man. Super cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I do stress with the guys even here because we have state approval as opposed to municipal. But I always say, like, all cannabis is local. And you just explain, like, those lessons of how, what did you do? You did a lot of politicking. You reached out into the community and then you've networked and uh, made relationships with the people that actually operate the community. So the law enforcement, the uh, the elected representatives, those types of people in it. And, you know, that's that's really, really important so that they know that you're okay. And cause there's that not in my backyard type uh, aspect. Oh, yeah. So did you run into like a lot of not in my backyard or marijuana is the devil's lettuce, uh, yeah, you know, so, prejudice? Uh, not in white center. White center is like the happiest place on earth. But uh, I, I did win a license in Mount Vernon, which is a small town where Glenn Beck is from um, up in. Uh, oh my gosh. So it's yeah. Glenn Beck's people. Yeah. The dispensary in Glenn Beck's hometown. And they, uh, well, and so like, you know, they had, they had allowed for a very small area to uh, get to, you know, to open the shop in. And uh, at the time I couldn't find anything, man. I, there was nothing really available, mm. especially in my price range, you know? So mm. I ended up having to uh, get the license issued in a place that was not conforming. Like the state gave me the license because it had the buffers via the state law, but the city wouldn't give me a business license because it didn't have buffers that accorded to their local, uh, uh, you know, ordinance. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I ended up having that uh, in that space, trying to find another spot to move it for several years before I just had to let it go because uh, there's Man. nothing I can do with it. Yeah. So local aspects and also the prejudice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say because I know in Thurston County during medical times, there's a lot of people getting fucked with the state local police. And then with because uh, you're in White Center, and for most people that don't know, some people consider White Center the bad area, of Seattle, but it's not. Like when these dispensaries were put there. I think it had helped improve the economy and all whatnot when they were there. What do you think, Chris? Oh, like the the medical shops? Yeah, like during that time frame, because oh, White Center had a bad rep, and then they're like, "We're going to throw all the weed stores into the bad neighborhoods," and yeah. it didn't. Well, really it, wasn't work. it wasn't even. I mean, it was. There was no. There was. That was not by ordinance. That was simply by. Uh, White Center has a lot of. Uh, you know, it's, White Center is very uh, just it's it's like a first landing community. Right. So for the past like 70 years, every like uh, immigrant group that's come here has like landed there first and then they move out as soon as they make some money. And so a lot of the landlords there are like Vietnamese dudes, you know, um, yeah. and it was really about that. It was really about the fact that uh, uh, those guys didn't really care. 
<laughs> they were like, are you paying rent? You know, like, and they owned all the buildings down there. So like, that's, that's what happened. You know, I had like the coolest, coolest landlord, this guy, Tan Chung, man, like just yeah. uh, his, his grandfather was like feng shui master, you know, and he was just like, oh, you know, he, like brought me live trees in, was totally cool with it. I told him, you know, and yeah. he just, anyway. I think so live the, trees though kind of goes with a, uh, a cannabis well, dispensary. Sure. But you he just, he'd grown it in his garden and like brought it in. I mean, oh, shit. That the thing. that's why I ended up with, uh, after my first year in business there, there were 10 stores within three blocks yeah. of me. One of them was a farmer's market that mm-hmm. had 30 some odd vendors, maybe 40 vendors who all represented either their own garden or like some of them were like, oh yeah, it was Oregon stuff I brought up, that kind of stuff, you know. So the the Oregonians that are selling at these farmers markets are, are interstate transferring with their cannabis. But uh, I think Nobody that's fascinating that. that you said farmers markets, but you saw, kind of described it as if it was you know a shop in in a in a building. So no. they would just set up a, a farmers market in a building, and then by farmers market, it's a dispensary where people would be able to bring in their cannabis and sell it. I would think of it more as like a. Well, you know, you know, Pike Place Market, it's like a big open market. Yeah. You know, you got all the flower vendors and uh, the fish vendors and whatever else. It was like right. that because it was all inside. But uh, booths all but around. Some of the booths. Yeah, like, you go to Pike's the and it would just be like, here's the weed booth. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Awesome. It was, it was yeah. All weed booths. And you had like, there was this awesome gal, Michelle, uh, went by the Orgasm Ferry and she made all this like uh, medicated lube and stuff like that. Like, uh, Oh man, hilarious! Well, yeah, no, there's like cool, uh, this cool lesbian couple. I remember they made this bomb ass uh, medicated chili, you know. Um, we had a big old nug fight in there one day, like it was like really that's early when you know you have enough weed, yeah. Guys, yeah. uh, I'm I remember against my grow limits, nug fight. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's what it was. This guy Jensen from uh, Freedom, he worked right. for them, he was their main oh, grower right. like 10 years ago, uh, when they were doing that. Well, and, I mean, uh, you're pulling down 100 pounds a month. Yeah, man. We just like we just had it all. You know, it was like nobody was coming in that day. We just, man, it was this huge fury. It was hilarious. There's so much weed on the ground. It's stupid. We were all. It was really stupid. But it was fun. Yeah. And that was quality weed, probably at the time too. Which I'm trying to to tell Tom, like, our it was like pure capitalism at that time. As far as uh, you know, if you were if your product was good, you would pull in a bunch of dough, and then you you probably had extra product to help promote yourself because there were so many times I got free dabs, free joints, free this and that, oh, just, just because, funny. right? And then uh, lost I, leaders I hear are coming to Illinois because that's some stuff that I saw from some of the the plans that came out of Washington State. I'd be like, "What do you mean you're going to have a twenty five dollar eighth? Yeah, what the hell is that?" That's you know? why I joke about the the cost of broccoli. You know, one day cannabis will be there where we're not freaking, you know, biting over some bullshit. It's it's a plant that everybody has a chance to grow. It's a fucking hard plant to grow sometimes if you want quality and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, anybody can grow pot. Anybody can grow shitty weed. Yeah. You know, and but that's like literally why I'm not scared about these home grows because the home grows they aren't gonna it's it's like you know yeah i i after work i'm on a softball league not they're sitting there thinking that i'm capable of being a pro baseball player you know there's a difference between high quality flour produced under ideal circumstances and what you grew in your basement yeah home brews aren't putting budweiser out of business no, but some breweries they 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 might be able to make a business, and so I kind of like the the bridge from the they're, they're very often called like the craft grower license or the micro grower license. It's a reasonable account, uh, accumulation of wealth, but you still need like four million to six million dollars. Um, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> let's 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 now see if we can crunch that four to six million dollars down. So can we uh, start creating really secure light depth greenhouses to get you know the price point of the pound it's of so flour down? It's a two hundred thousand dollar, like really. I mean, yeah. you know, I could see a half million, but uh, it's like a two hundred thousand dollar investment, and then it's, you know, three point eight million dollars in fucking uh, regulation costs. That's really what it is, you know, because it's like you got to get the building, you got to pull the permits, you got to get the power pulled right, you got to do this, you got to do that. That's what's killing all those NorCal growers, man. You know, like those guys had had you know buckets of money buried in the dirt, you know, and they've been just going through it trying to like. When does it end? When does it end? When's our burn end? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, you know, and like none of them, like they all have plenty when they started, you know, but now two and a half, three years into it, those poor fuckers are going out, man. But what's the premium price uh, for a pound of high quality indoor over where you guys are at? Well, it depends on where you're going. Um, I think uh, 
you know, between like 16 and uh, 22, I think is the top right now, although it's going up. Because, now, is that the uh, or is that the uh, my, my cousin brother market? No, that's the 502 market because like the we don't have the 502. We have the CRTA market in Illinois, and that's 3,500 to 4,000 a pound. Yeah, that's a ripoff. It's going to go down. It's going to yeah, take well, time. Like a supply it's, comes online, but I mean, if you can grow right bomb now, flour like at a higher quality and a better flavor profile than the stuff you're going to be able to buy from one of our large producers like Cresco, those people that win those craft grow license are just going to sell capacity absolutely. for the first few years. Now you've seen, I've seen that in every state so far. If you got people who can really produce quality product and be able to do the marketing associated with it right. like you sold out no matter what you know like but then you've got like a lot of people who just grow bud you know or people who hire their electrician as their master grower you know like <laughs> stuff just goes wrong man and then like you just end up with stuff that like okay you might as well oil it up and then you're just a bulk producer which you can make money at too but there you know it's all volume at that point you know? yeah so what do you see the best quality from is it still hps uh, indoor grown hps yeah. flowering lights yep yeah, I mean, you, you can't beat them for how dense the nugs get. You know, the, the nugs get so effing dense, yeah. just so effing dense. It's just so expensive, yeah. man. It's like in Cali, yeah, and, it's, and, it, and it rips up your electricals as well. So you have to like try to cycle on lights. But then, if you is there any type of like hybridization? I mean, can we get like uh, LEDs with HPSs? I'm I'm sorry, it's a nug shot, so I might as well. Sure, that's some. Um, I believe that's cereal milk. It's good yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> man, I, I just smoked all the good shit. <laughs> I've been just like, you know, tearing through the, the quarantine, man. You know? Well, I'm really interested to see like, okay, you, you, the HPSs I've still heard like the best and like the, the brands that I know here in Illinois that have like the best bag appeal and the best nose on them, they're HPS grown indoor. Yeah, but um, I'm really interested in seeing the full spectrum, like complete grade of the LEDs and see what they can do, like stacking up to an HPS. Because in, in Illinois, we have like, you know, power requirements. And then I guess with solar coming through, but the HPS, when they click on, I hear they take like a huge draw from the from the grid. Yeah, they really do. I mean, it just comes down to like, you know, it, com it comes down to a bunch of stuff. Like, like for me, it's, you know, it's really like, well, what are you trying to grow? You know, like how much of it, you know, if you're, if you're doing one of those craft grows, I would say it pays to do the HPS, right? But if you've got a 30,000 plus square foot warehouse and you're trying to do just a, a lot of blow and go bud, man, I mean, you might as well just get some really high quality LEDs. There are some that produce, they just, I mean, I rarely see them as dense. I mean, they just don't get as dense and that's the, that's the biggest split, you know, and then past that. Yeah. I mean, I just pulled some off my, uh, of course this is like, you know, I play little league. Uh, I'm going to talk about the pros now. No, it's not. But, uh, I, I just pulled down a plant and that I was growing from a Chinese purported 300 watt full spectrum led. And I'm like, that's eh, some larfy crap, but you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It smells yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's nowhere near as dense as the buds there. I mean, like I got some Oregon outdoor grown, uh, in the CBD variety. And those are some pretty dense buds when you're growing outdoors, but, um, so do you see any any benefits from the price point of light depth greenhouses? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all day long, it's, uh, you know, that's where you get your, uh, if you get a really good, really good run on that, that's where you get your $25 eighths from all day long, you know? And I mean, like, those are $25 eighths people aren't sad to get. You know, they look at yeah. it and they're like, all right, well, it's dense enough. And it tastes real good. It's got a good nose. It might be a little dark. You know, that's like, that's what you end up with. It's a little darker than normal. But uh, or than like doing an indoor the HPS, but mm -hmm. and then that you know affects your bag appeal. But you know, eighty percent of the people who are going to buy it, that's what they're looking for. They just want something cheap. That we don't have bag appeal in Illinois, though. Yeah, because you can't see it. You can't. It's 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 like you know grandma's medicine, and and you're not even allowed to touch it. Like there's there's like restrictions where it's like you want this one, don't touch it. You know, and then like you get in a brown paper bag. It's uh, it's like the soup Nazi. Remember that in science? Yeah, yeah, totally. All right. Okay. You know, buying weed in Illinois is like going to the soup Nazi and buying weed. The soup Nazis, the dispensary, but then they're really friendly about it. So they're trying to have great customer service while still complying with the state law. That kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope one day we are allowed to have smell jars and bag appeal where we can like see the bud as opposed to see the bud or a picture of a bud, you know, cause like, that grower can take a wonderful, sexy Instagram shot, but that's not necessarily what the butt always looks like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, but I mean, then that just comes down to, uh, you know, the, the operations of the business themselves, you know, they need to be doing their own quality control. You know, if, if, if they, if, if in Illinois, you can't ever look at it until you get it home, that just means that like that Instagram shot has to match what you've got in that jar or you put it. Oh, in it never does. Have it, be some, you know. it doesn't. It, it, it absolutely well, obviously not. not. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is like most of those companies are really just trying to like get some cash flow and they like whatever they grow. That's like halfway decent that passes testing. They need to push it out. And like, they just need the money flowing through because all of them are leveraged like crazy. And, and they're got, all raising money. They're all raising money. And it's so stupid. Like, Oh man, just the American capitalism is essentially like an elephant uh, going down on a luge. You're just trying to drive the most, uh, like just the just an edge, and where anything can go wrong, it's going to be terrible. And so, like every time we see our ourselves like melt down in any particular recession, you just kind of like go and you're like, "Wow, America, you really are always just skating right there from like everything's totally fine and everybody's really rich to completely in the ditch and we're all fucked." Uh, and it's just sad. I mean, like the, nobody has health care, nobody has jobs anymore. Everybody's getting paid from the government. And then why? So that we can see how well we can leverage up these companies to cook their books and increase their stock price so that, you know, progress. <laughs> hey, Cody, what, uh, uh, we always talk about prices and, and what it costs to get in business. And, you know, uh, Tom's got the Illinois perspective since you've actually been here and done it. If I was to jump into the Washington market as a, uh, store, what, what, what should I, how, how much should I go in with? What do you think? There's a lot of factors, right? I mean, uh, where are you trying to get it? You know, you're obviously, you can't just get a license anymore. So you got to buy somebody's shop out. Mm. Um, you know, you got to do like research and figure out where it can be, where, what you can do with it. You know, um, there's a difference between like the original licenses given out in the lottery and, and, uh, also and, and between those and then the ones that they gave out later, uh, the 5052 licenses in terms of where you can move them and what they can do. And all those things would like totally influence like how much money you need. I mean, uh, you know, if you want to buy a, so shops here in Seattle, you know, like that weren't doing well, that were just like basically open and they made some, enough money to you know, pay some taxes. Like those sold for like a million dollars, just the license basically. Oh, wow. Shit. Um, Cause like we talked before, uh, but, I mean, you know, sorry, man. but then there's like shops outside of town that you could still do really well with, um, you know, like border towns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. like Benton County, right. Benton County, didn't allow any in the initial lottery, but then in 5052, there was some folks out there that were running like a medical dispensary and they went through the LCB licensing and they got one. And then because they were the only one for the whole County and it was close to the border, they were clearing like a million one a month, you know, for a while. And then I know another guy who went through the rigmarole to get another license and actually move it out there too. So he could split that market with them. Um, Because like, so it's really close to these, they're called the tri cities. It's Kennewick, uh, Richland and I forget the last one it's top of my head. Um, but anyway, uh, those three towns have moratoria, so you can't open one in them. So this one shop outside of town was it for 150,000 people plus the border folks. And now my, this other guy I know, he like got one out there. I think that cost him two and a half million dollars, that whole process, um, just to get it in there. You, there, go. you know, Man. So, so that's like, what everybody asks. Like, oh, I want to do this. How much is it? Well, that depends on a lot of things. A million, probably more than you're willing to pay. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to be looking at years before you really get paid back, you know. Uh, and then they're going to dilute your licenses sometimes because depending on how they do it, uh, here in Illinois, it's at the state level over in Washington. Well, you said there's a moratorium on any new one, so you have to buy one. That's mm-hmm. different than like in California or in some other states where the municipality can just allocate however many they want in particular yeah and that's a huge pain in the ass like i've done a lot of work in california Uh, i've been on multiple application license deals down there you know got a few lost a few you know um and it's just a pain in the ass because like every town's different and it's very much like a good old boy system because uh you know some of those towns like you know they're they're most of the coastal towns in california are affluent you know especially south of uh san jose or san francisco you know, from like their south, like if you're like within uh, 50 miles, 100 miles of the coast, like the city has a very wealthy elite and then like some other like, a, you know, a lot of other people who have decent wealth. And so like if you're trying to do business in any of those towns, like you really need to know somebody because like they'll know, you know, 
they'll know the city council people and then like you know it's just it's just how it is you know and some some towns have gotten in trouble for it you know Adelanto had like a big thing the mayor got in trouble by i think it was the feds even uh because it was a corruption uh charge you know because he was basically selling licenses to people yeah. who were applications um so you end up with that when you like turn it over to local authorities it's like you know you can almost like the there's a correlation between this and like the COVID response, right? Like there's, you know, the states are allowed to do whatever they want. So like they're operating under 50 different plans where it could just be one plan from the top, you know, but it's not because that's how the law is written or that's how that's being governed. You know, yeah. this is the thing in California, you've got like the state, which doesn't want to take a strong stand because they have a lot of cantankerous towns that uh, are very right. affluent. See, this is why I think that after we get the Safe Banking Act on the federal level, it might just kind of do nothing for five years because you're talking about all these types of influences and postures and policies to some people who just don't like it in their backyard, other people who are trying to get in for their good old boys and make sure that they can make their money as well. And if and if it's legal to bank, you know, this excited though, I don't think Texas is ready to go yet. No way. I, mean, I don't think a lot of states are ready to go yet. But then as it as that kind of chips away and it, and it opens up more and more, then I think, you know, you'll see more of a, well, where are you, where are you going to put it? And if they, are they going to totally just take it out of the control substance? They should. They should totally deschedule it. But then you have a vacuum. You see with, that's different than, that's even different than hemp because with hemp, we have like a federal regulation. And then so the USDA regulations next year for, for hemp are going to go into effect. And it's going to fuck with the hemp industry because of the, the CBD levels. And it's going to change the genetics that are being planted there. So they didn't just legalize hemp. They changed it from one legislation to another legislation. So are they going to do that as well then? So, you know, these are harder questions than just what I want is just a pure, you know, descheduling, but that creates a vacuum and they didn't even do the vacuum for hemp. So I'm suspect that once it's legal to bank, then you're going to see the industry just start really, really growing until they figure out a way to move it out of the schedule one and allow it to still be, you know, somewhat regulated at the federal level. I think it's always... You guys are always gonna be able to get fucked with no matter what process the legalization. Like, like Cody, when you were doing medical, I mean, you did the right things by knowing your local community. But how about with the DEA? I mean, I remember in 2011 there was a string of raids, and back then the cannabis community was more tight knit because everybody can go to jail, right? I remember uh, one chick posted when they started doing raids in Tacoma, and all the shops started closing up. Do you remember that day? Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's that was the same. That was the same batch where I just said. Uh, remember earlier, it's like uh, this, that guy was half block away from me and got raided. Oh, yeah. So that was part of those twenty three shops where they did it. Did it then. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a real. It was nice to have the community because it's like you started hitting people up and like, so what's going on, you know? And then like, uh, you know, somebody. Uh, I think it was you know John Davis. You ever had him on here? I don't know. No, no, oh, no, yeah. no, I know what he is. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, he. Uh, you know, he, he would talk to like somebody at the DA's office and then like somebody else would hear something from somewhere else. And we'd try to like put together what was really happening and like what they were going after. And then like, uh, you know, there were the raids and then there were also like the, uh, the letters that went out, you know, so instead of raiding, they just, they are like, we'll send you a letter and we're going to tell you that we'll raid you if you don't close, um, at this location. And we always try to figure out like, well, why are they picking those locations, like those shops? Because there's so many, you know, they're yeah. like, oh, they're only going to do 28. And they're going to pick 11, like a few weeks later, you know. Um, and those letters, too, they were also uh, attacking businesses through the landlords. I know a couple of places they're like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're pulling out because the landlord got a letter threat. And it's like, but yeah. there was no problems in between or before, you know. Yeah, and you could just never really figure out, like, what it was. Um, I mean, sometimes it was like, oh, okay, well, these are maybe mostly bad actors that they've had, like, complaints about, you know, and it didn't. It did seem to be more complaint-driven, yeah, you know, right. like, uh, oh, there's too much. To- but that just then means that, you know, we were living in a world uh, where you can call a random tip, calls the authorities, and then the DEA shows up. So how many, when did the DEA stop raiding in Washington State? Well, it was, uh, it was the Rohrbacher thing. So remember the other Robacher, thing. So 2015 ish. Yeah. So yeah. that was a writer. That was a writer that he threw on the, the budget bill that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so that went through and suddenly the DEA was defunded from conducting raids. For and- medical though, but they weren't defunded from conducting and they still aren't. Uh, I think even in this year's budget, uh, the Democrats have like 
changed it and they've dropped the word medical. Then they just left it at marijuana, a state's marijuana law. But then I thought the, the Republicans this time nixed it. And then so it just went back to the original Robacher uh, amendment language in whatever particular section of the budget was this year. But then uh, have the DEA been raiding any um, any 502, any rec shops that you know of? Not the DEA, you know, I mean, uh, I think for the most part, you know, unless it's like unless it's like super diversion, I'm trying to think like. I kind of think of my memory, but I can't remember anything specific, so I won't say that it's happened. But like, uh, yeah. as far as, you know, they uh, they haven't. The DEA hasn't raided anybody. It's been either the LCB or state cops. Yeah, the only DEA raids that I've really heard from has to do with illegal home grows in states after they legalize it. So people will like buy houses and just yeah, no, grow the crap out of them in a particular. Out, right. Well, I mean, that could happen now in Illinois because they've. Uh, the five plants is a $200 fine. It's, it's just, it's just a fine, you know? So if you don't have your medical card and you're growing five plants, bad person, but if you do have your medical card and you're growing five plants, that's fine. And so that's kind of similar to what they did in Colorado. And so then Colorado in 2019 had its biggest DEA raid, but it was just a string of um, probably even out of state or out of the country uh, business people that bought a whole bunch of houses and then grew a whole bunch of cannabis and then exported it outside of Colorado because they're like, you know, it's got a name brand kind of like how California has a name brand because they know that it's legal there. So it's going to be better. I mean, kind of Canada had a name brand when I was in college, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, I just, I remembered something this happened. Uh, I think it was last year. So this was not in the 502 system, but it was like, it was cannabis grow, it was, but it wasn't the DEA that raided it, right? There's these Chinese dudes and they had like a really big grow. They had like, I think it was like 50 or 60 employees that were all Chinese nationals. And so it was immigration that came and busted them and like arrested everybody and then just deported them all back to China. So but yep. they, had like, they had like a bunch of big warehouses going, but the DEA didn't even do that. So I don't know hmm. if that means anything or not. Well, and I don't think we've had an issue with them since 2011. Uh, matter of yeah. fact, those are the raids that Lance are still serving time for, or for Lance Gore. Uh, and you know, to, to, to kind of circle back into the medical time frame, uh, even though I talked about the cannabis community and how kind of tight we were, there's a lot of dickheads too, man. I mean, there's people when he got arrested, or just like, hey, we're, we're done, even though it was just a total pot case, they're like, uh, you know not even trying to stand up and support him, which I think is the biggest failing when it comes to cannabis or cannabis. <laughs> cannabis. Cannabisism. Well, it's, 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 sometimes we're to eat, eat, eat dog, eat dog world, you know, because uh, if we all don't support each other over one, it's fucking- just, that's just when you come across these dog eat dog types and they're everywhere, yeah. uh, you have to understand that they're just stupid and they don't understand that, you know, they're the dog as well. And yeah. so that they, when they when they act in those types of self-dealing uh, manipulative ways, it usually it, while it can work out fairly well for them, I would argue that it's worked out fairly well for the man in the Oval Office. But um, it, it usually doesn't because you're doing you're being a schmuck. You know, you're you're being a jerk and you're trying to manipulate somebody because it's it's one of those things where I got it. You want it. And I'm not letting it go for bleeping nothing. You know, it's it's that manipulation of it as opposed to what business is supposed to be. The creation of value as opposed to the exploitation of a supply uh like you know i'm not the biggest fan of opec or the chinese communist party you know when they're controlling a supply like that that's terrible but then i do like apple computers because they're creating products that you didn't even know you needed you know that's the creation of value mm-hmm. you know. well, like here go to you ever see like uh growers calling on growers and you know shopkeepers calling on shopkeepers like it was always seemed to be like a you know i'm gonna call the police to get on you even though it was just there was some of that, you know, I mean, there's definitely some of that. The real bad stuff was the stuff they didn't call the cops about. You know? That's the kind of stuff, you know, you don't miss. Yeah, I don't yeah. miss it all, you know, like legal. So when you say you don't miss that stuff, does that mean you're probably never going to try to own yourself a cannabis license again? <laughs> well, I do. I do have uh, I do have at least one going. Um, but uh yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. It's a, uh, I don't know. I liked, I liked the, the way it was in medical, you know, there's a lot of light warriors, you know, like a lot of people I knew anyway, real cool, man, like real true believers and people who really were trying to help. And then, yeah, there are probably, there are also plenty of freaking sociopaths and like crazy assholes who just like ruin 
ruin it all. America, man. Yeah, yeah, man, it's America. You know, it's like it's America. It's like you got a lot of real cool people, and then a bunch of fucking crazy assholes who just like fucking ruin it for everybody. And when you talk about that, like, yeah, not backing people up sometimes. It's like, well, you know, a lot of that's it's personal, man. You know, it's like, do you know that guy? You don't know yeah. that guy. That guy's a fucking crazy asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no, for but that's what it comes down. Yeah. That's why we yeah. can't have nice things, though. That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, but uh, we do have that's pretty nice things. You know, and so that's what it was. But anyway, uh, so if you have some parting wisdoms to the people that watch the show all the way to now that are thinking, like, you know, I really got to get into this industry. This is the best. I can't. And like, they're in like a, an, an emerging market. So they haven't seen the years. And they're basically going to be jumping into 502 land. The, the days of uh, grow and give are, are, are long gone. So what type of recommendations would you give to those uh, true believing entrepreneurs? Well, pick your partners very carefully. That's a big one. Um, you know, whoever you're going to do business with, you better know them real well. Um, also, like, be careful where you take money from, you know that can fuck you just as well as anything. Uh, you know, uh, what else? Be on time with your filings. <laughs> Always comply with the statutory requirements. Yeah, yeah, comply with statutory, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, no. yeah. Chris, Cody, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can we find or follow what you got going on? Oh, um, you know, uh, what do I got? I got, the, got a website that I don't have up right now, so I can't really tell you that. Um, I've got a Facebook page that uh, I don't put a whole lot on, on anyway. Most of my stuff is more personal, you know, people I know, like things I'm into. I get referrals from folks all the time to be on uh, applications, so I do that kind of thing, uh, you know, because I'm obviously experienced in retail and, and just supply chain, all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I, you can always email me, Cody at HighlyFunctioning.com. You know, that's a good place. Find me on LinkedIn, that kind of right. stuff. For sure. We'll throw those links in the description. Thanks for watching, everybody. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Wednesday for a discussion with a lawyer from Arizona about the cannabis laws they have going on. So make sure you like and subscribe. Later.